right. Well, what's going on, everyone? Uh, this is, uh, if you follow the news, uh, you follow the news on politics, public schools, celebrities. Uh, religious liberty is definitely a topic that comes up often in America today. And the underground sessions would be a great night. You will want to make sure you can attend because the implications from where things are going are going to be great in the workplace, at school, even in our own homes. So it's October 5th. Sign up online. Make sure you can make it. We'll be next door in the youth room. I just ask that you guys kind of clean up when you guys are done down there. Uh, keep it clean for our youth. Uh, so this is a really important topic for us to talk about because, as I said, if you turn on the news, uh, you'll see a lot of countries today that live with very little religious liberty and what it's like for those living in those conditions. And I think here in America, we are starting to get a glimpse as to what that looks like when culture is not on our side. You know, we see the implications of following Jesus has ranged from very, very little all the way to even death. And here in America, times are changing where we will see different impacts on our lives when we worship God. And this conversation actually ties in greatly with the letter we'll be unpacking today in our new series we called Seven. So if you're new with us this week, we kicked off this new series last week. We're going through the seven letters that you find to the seven churches in Revelation. Pastor Dave started us off by going through the letter to the church of Ephesus, starting speaking on how our hearts have become cold and we have left our first love, but we can still remember, repent, and return to Christ. So each week we'll go through one of the letters and see what Jesus uh, said to each of those churches, and we'll see what Jesus is saying to us today in 2019. So today we got some mail, all right? We're going to see who this letter is written out to. Uh, a lot of ShopRite ads. Optimum keeps wanting me to change their internet, but all right. So we got we got a letter to Smyrna today. So Smyrna, if you can see on the screen, is just north of Ephesus, and this was the old postal route uh, back in ancient times, and it started with Ephesus, and next was Smyrna. So the Church of Smyrna was located in current day Izmir, Turkey, and Izmir is a very very large populous city, uh, which actually has over 4 million people, uh, big skyscrapers, port system, you can see the picture, it's a big city today. And as we learned last week, these seven churches uh, were on the poster route, like I said, in ancient Asia. So during this time, uh, when the letter was written, Smyrna was a big deal. It was a very prosperous city that flourished under Roman rule. The city was remarkable, it excelled in things like beauty and science, the great poet Homer was told to be from Smyrna, who wrote things like the Iliad and the Odyssey. Uh, as you can see here in this next picture, you can see the Agora. This is the marketplace, the center of culture, of life. This is where a lot of things happened. Some other things Smyrna was also excelled in was wealth, even some fine wines. I hear there's some good Banffys and Chiantis, uh, from what I hear from Smyrna. Uh, but it was such a predominant city, uh, it was chosen out of seven cities in ancient times to be the location of the temple for Emperor Tiberius. Smyrna was the center of Caesar worship in all of Asia in ancient times. So with this being the case, everyone's loyalty and worship was ordered to be directed towards Caesar. And if you didn't worship Caesar, well, the consequences were extreme. So if you want to talk about religious liberty, uh, here in Smyrna, you had religious liberty as long as you worshiped Caesar. But there was close to nothing here in Smyrna in the first century if you exclusively worshiped Jesus culture was not on their side. So this is where we are at. These are the times they were living in. And so Jesus opens up the words for the suffering church, as we'll see today, and it says this in the letter, chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Jesus starts off and says this, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, 
the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. So right away, Jesus reminds them, who is the Alpha and the Omega to a group of people where death seemed imminent? He reminds them he is the one that died on a cross and rose again. So death is not to be feared because Jesus tells them, I've defeated death. I mean, how cool is that? For people that literally might be dying for Jesus, Jesus reminds them, don't fear death because I've defeated it. So for people who are undergoing this amount of persecution, this is the times they were living in when the letter was received. These words are an amazing reminder of who they are following. Because of what we'll see today is when we do follow Jesus, it brings, th- it brings three things with it. Tribulation, awareness, and reward. Before we begin, let's pray to the one who was worth everything to this church in Smyrna. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and grace in our life. We thank you that you are God, you are Jesus, and we follow you, Lord, through, through difficult times, through good times, and as we unpack this letter, may you uh, reveal to us what you were saying then and what you are saying to us today, to our church. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so following Jesus brings tribulation. And with this church in Smyrna, this was definitely, definitely the case. In verse nine, it says this. It says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So noticing what people are going through, validating them, affirming them, is what we all really desire. I mean, go on Instagram, go on social media, Facebook, and you'll see people are putting up statuses and pictures of what they're going through so people can notice them and affirm them of what they are going through. So Jesus comes in, he double taps, he likes, he comments, he says, I know what you're going through. I see what you're experiencing. Do not think for a second that I'm not aware of the daily pain you are experiencing for me. So for the Church of Smyrna, this was not like a joke on a late night show. This wasn't an episode on Family Guy making fun of Christianity, right? This was much different persecution for them in ancient Smyrna. It's much different. So when Jesus says, I see your poverty, it's most likely literal because for many of them, they lost their jobs, they lost their businesses, were closed down. Uh, there was a lot of looting occurring to those that were not declaring their allegiance to Rome. But Jesus reminds them, you are spiritually rich, which is far greater than any earthly physical wealth that never lasts. Another thing that happened often, as we see here, is the slander. The slander we read here by these people that claim to be Jews. So what happened here is the Jews would actually report the Christians to the Roman government to go close their businesses, to go uh, arrest them, to go have them be killed for following Christ. This would damage people's reputations, making false statements about Christians, what they represented. It would damage their lives, their families. So Jesus says they are not real Jews. Outwardly, they may go to synagogue and look like a Jew, but inwardly, their hearts are far from me. And for one follower, this happened to him. His name was Polycarp. He was a pupil of the Apostle John, who actually wrote this letter, uh, when he was a bishop to the church in Smyrna. And he followed Jesus, and what that brought him was the Jews went, reported him to the Romans, and he was brought to the city stadium in public and was burned at the stake. And when the fire didn't consume him, he was actually then stabbed to death. And while this was happening, he was asked to pledge his allegiance to Rome, to Caesar, curse Jesus. But he declared to them, he said this, I love it. 86 years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I, how can I blaspheme my king and savior? 
When you follow Jesus in Smyrna, this is probably what people thought would happen to them. What happened to Polycarp? They say, that might happen to me if I follow Jesus too. It's the same Jesus Polycarp's following. But for many of us, this may look different. We may not vision us getting burned at the stake. Because we live in a country where there is some freedom of speech, religious liberty, right? But maybe even to a point, as we're seeing today. And for football player Ben Watson, uh, he was on an interview with CNN speaking on a recent death to a black teenager by a police officer, asking about what the problems were, and there were protests going on. This is a really hot issue. And when Ben, when ben Watson was, began to explain that the problem was sin, and the problem was the only way to cure this was understanding Jesus died for our sins. And at that time, right after he said that, the feed cut off. Conveniently, there's speculation. But right when he says Jesus died for our sins, the interview cut out. When you don't worship Caesar, you'll get persecuted. When you don't worship Caesar, people don't want to hear what you have to say. So when we talk about persecution, it's going to look a little different here today in 2019 in America. But oftentimes, what I think we really do is we actually don't even really expect it. We don't expect it here where we live. We feel like we don't deserve it if we follow Jesus well. But that's not what Jesus tells us. We'll look at two verses about persecution. The first one's Matthew 10:22. It says this, And you will be hated by all for my namesake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if you follow Jesus, persecution should be expected. You know those little books, those like little promises of Jesus, you know, they're like really uplifting. I don't, I don't usually see this one in there. <laughs> persecution will be expected. I promise you. This one's not in there. And I think a common misunderstanding of following Jesus is we often think, well, if I live a good life, I give some money here and there. I serve on Sundays every once in a while. God will bless me and I won't experience much hardship. No, 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 no. That's not what we see. What we read here is if you want to live a godly life and you follow Jesus, you probably will be persecuted. Jesus said so multiple times throughout Scripture. And in our lives when we follow Jesus and we go through those times of tribulations, it'll often feel like we have so much weight crushing down on us. Right, like getting out of the bed in the morning when that alarm goes off, you already feel like there's this thousand pounds weighing from you just to get out of bed. Right? We feel that weight. And growing up in high school, I got into lifting, and then in college, me and my roommates really got into powerlifting. Probably wondering why there's a bench on here. Right? Uh, so, and I'm thinking about persecutions, I'm thinking about trials, and I think there's actually like a lot of similarity between working out, um, benching, and the trials we go through. Because working out... What we did each week is we wanted to put a little more weight on than last week, right? Next, next Monday, it's bench day, international bench day. Let's get a little more weight on there than last week, <laughs> all right? But if you look at working out similar to tribulations, I think our viewpoints will be much different because when you work out, it's tough. It's, it's tiring. You get a little sore. It's hard, right? But you know that if you continue to work out, you continue to bench and, and, and squat and all these things, you'll get stronger, so in life, we have these things weighing us down. And for many of us, it may look a little different. So for some of you, it's your job. Man, some of you work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Your boss asks you to do things that maybe are a little illegal. <laughs> they put you in an awkward predicament because you want to follow Jesus and do the right things. Or maybe it's just an uncomfortable work environment. You're the only Christian there. Everyone is very different than you. So this is your weight. 
This is your way, your job, right? Maybe some of you, it's your family. You have awkward tension anytime your family meets. Thanksgiving's just around the corner and you're dreading it. You're dreading that Thanksgiving table and this is your weight. It's a lot of weight, all right? So this weight is weighing you down because you follow Jesus, you believe things they don't, and that's created some awkward tension between you and your family. So you're living life and this is the weight that's on you. Maybe you're at school and your popularity's at risk because getting baptized, going to youth group on Wednesday nights aren't the popular things to do, right? So this is the weight that you feel. And I think the common misunderstanding that we do is when life hits us, all right, get rid of this. Get rid of this weight. Get rid of that weight. I just want to do the bar. It's really light, really easy. We don't want to touch this. This is a lot. But what happens if we just bench the bar every week? You never get stronger. You're just going to do the same thing over and over. Nothing changes. But when you push through and you push through the weight, you get it up. Next week, you get a little more. Week after that, you get a little stronger. So when we view our trials and tribulations like this, I think we can get through them. And I think that the weight will be viewed much differently. And actually, really funny, when we would work out to kind of get each other, you know, a little hyped up before we lifted, uh, there was actually one guy, he was about a deadlift, like 750 pounds. Big dude, one of my friends. So we're all circling around him, like, this is a lot of weight. And what we do is we'd yell lightweight. Like, oh, dude, that's lightweight. That's lightweight. You got that. You got that. Like, obviously, that's not lightweight, like 750 pounds, right? But we'd yell, that's lightweight, man. Like, you got it. You could get that weight up. And I think in life, we look at this weight and we're like, oh, that's heavy weight, get it off. But if we can view it differently, say, hey, that's lightweight, I'm going to push through that. Next week, that is going to be lightweight. Week after that, throw, throw some tens on there, get some more weight up, some more trials, more testing of your faith to get you stronger. And we can yell lightweight because we are not alone, right? When we're walking with Jesus, we're not alone. Jesus gives us the strength to be able to get that lightweight up in our life. So what are some tribulations that you're experiencing from following Jesus? What's something in your life that's literally weighing you down? Like when I'm putting this weight on here, you're like, I know what that is for me. So obviously the weight looks different in all of our lives here, but we experience it at some level. And I, I know some of you don't want to think about waking up for work tomorrow. Some of you don't even want to think about, you know, Christmas time with the family. Some of you don't even want to think about waking up for school tomorrow. But God tells us this in Isaiah 41. He says this. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You're going to get this weight. You're going to get this weight because I'm right here. I am with you. I mean, let those words sink in. Whatever situation you are in right now, God's with you. Let him strengthen you. Let him uphold you daily when the weight of life hits you. And when we do that, when we let him give us that strength to push through, to follow him, to stay faithful, what that does is we'll see is that, number two, that following Jesus brings awareness. Following Jesus brings awareness. Because when we're persecuted, when we suffer for Jesus, that brings awareness to who he is. And we actually see this all over the Bible. It's really cool. When you see people in the Bible suffering for God being, when God's people are oppressed, it actually brings light to who God is even more. Like Jesus' name is spoken about a lot. <laughs> And in Smyrna, when the emperor Julian was trying to get rid of the Christians, I love what he says. He's trying to get rid of the Christians, arresting them, killing them. He's like, every time I do that, they just pop up. There's more of them. <laughs> I try to get rid of this little village over here. Guess what? They pop up over here. I try to get rid of them. They pop up over here. They love our poor more than we do. They love each other more than we do. I think that's so cool. 
But as we continue in our letter, Jesus says something in verse 10. He says this. He says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. This is not a punishment, but a blessing to be able to bring awareness to who God is. Even though it may be challenging, it may be difficult, we're doing this for God's glory and to bring light to his name. Because what the devil intends for evil here, the Lord intended for good. I mean, think about the cross. 2,000 years ago, no one was wearing a necklace with a cross on it. Because <laughs> that cross actually was like the worst way to die. That would be so weird to walk around the cross. <laughs> but something that was evil, something that was intended for bad, Jesus, the Lord, intended it for good. And now the cross is the way to eternal life. Tertullian, an early church father, said this. He says, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Telling us that suffering for Christ is literally planting in seeds for others to follow Jesus. Do not fear. And right now, the awareness Jesus is getting of those suffering and dying for Christ is huge. Believe it or not, we actually live in one of the most hostile time periods to be a Christian. And as we see, that is when the church actually grows the most. So what we see today is 75% of the world's population lives in a nation where severe religious restrictions occur. And on a monthly basis, we see 322 people are killed for their faith. 214 churches or properties are destroyed. 772 forms of violence occur monthly. Forced marriages, rapes, beatings, imprisonments. I mean, wake up. This is happening too all over the world to our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what the church of Smyrna was experiencing. We need to stand up and pray for our fellow Christians. We must encourage, support, bring awareness to what they are experiencing. And for our students here at NBC, we actually did this uh, before the Olympics a little over a year and a half ago. We had our own Rush Olympics. You know, we call our student program the, the Rush. So we had a Rush Olympics. And we had a whole night of games, and we played different activities to see who would win the Olympics. So what we actually did is we actually already picked the countries that were going to be represented. We chose countries like Iran, India, Pakistan, Ethiopia. And typically, whenever you play a game where there's countries involved, like the Olympics or like FIFA World Cup, you know, England, France, Italy, USA, are the, those are the countries to kind of go first, not, not these other countries. So our students were like, okay, wondering why we're picking these countries, but we'll go with it. So they created their own flags, they represented them throughout the night, and at the end we brought everyone together to explain to them why they were those countries. We explained how in each of those countries they were representing, if you lived and followed Jesus like you are now, severe consequences would occur. Beatings, loss of jobs, loss of money, and death, and so on, if you follow Jesus. So take a look at this picture behind me. If you see, uh, Open Door Ministries posted the top 50 countries where it's most hostile to follow Jesus, hardest to follow Jesus. Number one, North Korea. Number five is Pakistan. Seven is India. Ten, ten is India. Seven is Iran. And we closed the night, and each country went by themselves, and they prayed over the followers of Jesus that were experiencing this persecution. It was so cool to see our students' eyes opened up, to see our students praying for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who were experiencing such difficulty and doing the same things they were doing. And right now, I'm sure if you turn on the news, you see a lot of these protests that are happening in Hong Kong. I read a recent article online saying how many people that lived in Hong Kong were fearing that religious freedom will be gone forever. Forever. This means that worshiping the same Jesus we are right now Every single Sunday will not be allowed. I mean, can you put yourself in those shoes really quick? Imagine 
what we're doing on a weekly basis, imagine if that became illegal here and we couldn't do it. Can we feel some empathy for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? So they have a lot of weight right now. This is huge right now. I mean, this is weighing down on them. A daily life, they're fearing different things. And this feels like impossible. But we must stand up for our fellow believers. We must pray and encourage for them. Because they need our prayers. They need Jesus in their life right now. Because they can't lift that on their own. So I'm wondering if we could pray for them this morning. If we could just pray to uplift them for Jesus to make his presence known among them. Because right now, what I think they're thinking, a lot of others are thinking, are, are they going to see to live, live to see tomorrow? Am I ever going to be able to meet my grandkids? Am I ever going to have a successful career if I follow Jesus? Will I ever get to grow old with my spouse because I follow Jesus? I mean, these are questions that probably go in their minds when following Christ brings this type of persecution. So can we pray really quick? Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who sees, you are a God who knows us. And God, right now there are tons of people worshiping you, following you, knowing that that might bring them death, that might bring them persecution. So God, we just pray for those. We pray that you give them confidence in you. We pray that you make your presence known among them and that you will strengthen them each day and keep their faith strong in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I think one thing as we continue in our letter that keeps our brothers and sisters in Christ encouraged is this next verse. It says this in verse 10. It says, Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. So there's some dispute as to what this 10 days is referring to. Some think it's literal. Like, okay, you're literally going to go for jail for 10 days. Some actually think it's referring to gladiatorial combat. So in the Colosseum and Gladiators, you've probably seen movies about it. Before they entered that, they would actually go into prison for 10 days, which would eventually lead to their most certain death. Lastly, what others and myself believe is that what this means here is that all suffering is temporary. It has an end. 10 days, that's it. Because we, we aren't going to suffer forever when we follow Christ. And for some of us, you need to hear that because the, the tribulations you're going through right now feels like it's been going on forever. <laughs> it feels like there's no way anything in my life right now is going to change. And for those around the world where there is no religious liberty to worship God, they know that they're being tested and their faith is being refined. But they also know that their hardships won't last forever. There's an end. Because suffering is temporary, but our reward is not. And that's what we see here in the letter, that following Jesus brings reward, an eternal reward. Finishing up in verse 10, we read this. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus tells us if we're faithful in following Jesus, it will bring us a reward, the crown of life. And for what many were probably picturing when they read this, uh, it was this picture behind me of Michael Phelps, right? Anytime you won the Olympics back in ancient times, you'd have this olive wreath placed on your head if you won. So what these people are picturing back here then is, all right, if I'm faithful, if I can go to the end, Jesus is going to put an olive wreath on your head and say, you win. You win. You win the crown of life. You get to spend eternity in heaven. So we're here in life, we're... You know, we're trying to get this weight up every single day, but it just feels so, so heavy, right? There's more weight on this than last week because something happened here, and now I got to go through this. 
But Jesus is saying, persevere, push through. You can almost rack it. <laughs> You're almost there. Persevere to the end because that crown of life is waiting for you. The crown of life is waiting for you, and that is encouragement to keep going. And that's what this letter is all about. It's all about encouragement, hope for those that are feeling the weight of the world of being persecuted. And actually, out of the seven letters we're going to go through, only two of them is just encouragement. The Church of Philadelphia and the Church of Smyrna. The other ones have criticisms and encouragement. This is just encourage. Again, Jesus tells them in verse 11, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. So the first death is referred to as our death from our physical body and our soul. And the second death is, re- is referring to our separation from God in the lake of fire or hell. But what he's saying is you will not be hurt by that second death because you will be with me for eternity. Sounds like a pretty good reward to me. I don't know about you. I mean, have you ever asked yourself something before you do it? Is this worth it? Is this worth it? Maybe at work you've asked the question, is this return of investment good enough here? Like if I put in all this time, effort, sweat into this, is the end result worth it? And right here Jesus is saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. Second Corinthians, uh, Paul spells this out great. He says this. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You know what Paul's saying? Lightweight. He's like, that's lightweight. That affliction, that's lightweight. God's got you. He's preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond anything we could ever imagine. The teasing you get at school, it's lightweight. The job struggles you have, it's, it's lightweight. You know, even some physical pain you've experienced, it's lightweight. All of that is doing something. It's all worth it. And have you ever asked yourself this question, like, what if to the apostles it like, wasn't worth it? Like, uh, you know, getting beaten on a daily basis. <laughs> I'm kind of over it. Not really worth it, you know? Or maybe they're going, you know what, this whole poverty thing, I, could, I was a tax collector. I made some good money. Not really worth it, you know? Or maybe they're like, okay, a lot of these other apostles are dying. <laughs> not really, I don't really want to do that, so not worth it. I mean, would we be here if the apostles said, not worth it? Would the Christian faith have lasted through the first century if they said it's not worth it? So I'm very glad the apostles said Jesus was worth it. And I'm also glad Jesus was worth it to, to my grandpa. Uh, so my grandpa, a few months ago in May, he had some extensive heart surgery. They were opening him up, fixing things, replacing things. I'm not medical, but they were doing something pretty serious to his heart. Uh, surgery went well, but after that, uh, his recovery went very downhill. Very downhill uh, that we thought for a few days we were going we to lose him. Thankfully, God... God came in and worked a miracle. But during that time of, of darkness when we didn't know what was going on, I was, it was a Wednesday night and I was praying and I remember I was about to bring my son Bennett over to youth group. And I'm just sitting there thinking about like my grandpa and everything he's done. I mean, he has an amazing life, great career, great family, just great person in general. He's like the Don, the boss of the Grace family. He's just, everyone loves him. He's, he's the best. I'm looking back in his life. He has so many things that could be his legacy. And as I'm praying, I'm looking at my son. I'm like, the greatest thing, I wrote him in a, in a card for this when he was recovering. I said, the greatest thing, Grandpa, your, your legacy is I get to tell my son about Jesus because you told my dad about Jesus. And he gets to see his great-grandson learn about Jesus, who he is, because Jesus was worth it to him. 
I thought that was so cool. I mean, the week after week, getting up church on Sundays, worth it. Giving part of my salary away after many, many years to Jesus, worth it. Serving weekly, you know, I, I could be sleeping in, I could be doing other things, worth it. It was actually so cool. The day before his surgery, uh, he volunteered, you know, his servant's heart. He actually volunteered at the hospital where he was going to be spending like the next two months at from his surgery and recovery. Worth it. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful and blessed to my grandpa. Jesus was worth it. That crown of life, that reward is worth it to him, to my dad, to myself. And I get to share that with Bennett. And I'm so excited to share that with him. The crown of life is yours. You win. That's what Jesus says. But don't get this confused with earthly winning. Jesus doesn't tell us, if you remain faithful, you follow me, you will succeed at your job forever. You will get all the money you can have if you do that. Nah, nah, nah. actually what he tells us, if you follow me, those things actually probably actually like won't be the case. They might, but they might not be. And we actually see this in the life of a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was born in Wales in 1899. He grew up and went to medical school at St. Bartholomew's Hospital where he received his MD and later became the chief clinical assistant to Sir Thomas Horder. Horder was a physician recognized as being the leading clinician and diagnostician of his day. He was a big deal. Horder was also known as being a big collector of his time. Horder was also known as being a big collector. Okay, you know, we'll move on. A little slow today, that's okay. Horder was a big collector, but we'll keep going. All right, so he highly praised Jones, who he was, the doctor he was becoming from one of the biggest doctors ever. So he was on his way to a very successful medical career. I encourage you to ask a doctor all the money they spent, all the time they spent, all the energy and effort into becoming a doctor. If you ask many of them, would you do it again? A lot of them actually will probably say no. It was so difficult, so hard. So people thought he was crazy. He gave all that up. Why? Because he felt God calling him to preach, to be a preacher. So in an interview, asking him, how did you give that all up to preach? You had such a successful career. Why would you do that? You, lo- you gave up so much. And I love Jones' response. He says this. He says, I gave up nothing. I received everything. Do we have that mindset when we follow Jesus? To Jones, he received everything when he followed him. No matter what happened on this earth, he never gave up anything to follow Christ. Because to him, Christ was worth it. And that leaves us with an important question. What is Jesus worth to you? To the church of Smyrna, everything. Jobs, life, relationships. The reward of Jesus himself was worth it. So what is Jesus worth to you? Is he worth drastic changes in your life? Is he worth suffering or being uncomfortable at times? Is he worth being different? Because when we commit ourselves to living for Jesus, you'll actually be very different than the rest of the world. People don't get why we get up every single week to go to church. You could sleep in, catch the football game at home, you know. People won't get why we use different words than other people. People won't understand when we treat enemies with love. And actually, country artist Eric Church, he captures what this actually looks like, living for the gospel, living for Jesus looks like. He says this in in a popular song about what it actually probably looked like for the Church of Smyrna to live in a place where Christianity was not the norm. This is what he says in his song. He says, hey there, weird kid in your high-top shoes, sitting in the back of the class, I was just like you. Always left out, never fit in, 
owning that path you're walking in. Mr. Misunderstood, Mr. Misunderstood. People didn't understand Martin Lloyd-Jones. Left practicing medicine to go preach. People didn't understand these Christians in Smyrna when they didn't worship Caesar. Instead, they worshiped Jesus, which led to their death. They're like, just worship Caesar. You won't die. It seems pretty easy, right? What don't you get? People did not understand the Apostle Paul when he left everything he knew to live for Jesus. People didn't understand Jesus when he came to this earth as a humble servant, willing to die for our sin. And people still don't understand why Jesus would die for me or for you. Please don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying here in this letter. That whatever oppression you are facing, whatever tribulation you will face, Jesus says, I see you. I'm with you. If you're a mom, you're bringing your kids to church every week, your husband mocks you, doesn't get it, doesn't understand you, you feel that weight, that weekly battle, because you just want your kids to know Jesus. Jesus says, I see you. He says, I'm with you. Or maybe you're at school and you can't stand going to that English class because that kid next to you makes fun of you every single day for going to youth group on Wednesdays or for wearing a cross on your neck. Jesus says, I see you. He says, I'm with you. When we go through our battles, when we follow Jesus, that brings us to the times of testing our faith through the trials we face. God will strengthen us each time. God will give us the endurance we need to face each one. We'll be refined. We'll be renewed daily by his grace and his presence. It says this in James 1. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Meaning, we are able to see trials. We're able to see this weight as a chance to get stronger, to strengthen our faith in the Lord. We don't see them as hindrances in life trying to be avoided. We don't see them as detours distracting us from the life we're really supposed to be on. Jesus had one of the biggest tests to take, one that looked like way too much weight. But Jesus doesn't say, all right, take, take a couple 45s off, take, say, take some weight off here and there, all right? This is too heavy, too difficult. He says, put it all on. Put it all on. I'm maxing out today. Give me your suffering. Give me your sin. Give me your struggles. Put it on. I can handle it. I'll take it. That's my weight. That's my weight for me. That's what he did on the cross. That's what Jesus does for us. That's the Jesus we're suffering for. That's the God that says, I see you. I'm with you. I've got you. And in life, like I said, we all often want to take this weight off, right? It's too much, too heavy. And when you, when you lift light weight, like if you're just doing the bar, you could get away with like doing it on your own. You know, you could just, you know, each week just do it. You don't really need anyone there. But when you start to put on some serious weight, you need something called a spotter. So you always see people behind the bench like me do. When they're, when they're about to do some serious weight, they're right here. They're following that bar. You know, they know you're, you're, you're really testing yourself, trying to get stronger. Jesus is our spotter. When, when, when the work's tough, family's tough, Jesus is right here. He's like, I got you. I see you. I know, I know you're doing this weight. Look at it. It's a lot. It's like, that's lightweight. You got this. He's right here. Never going to let it crush on us. Never going to let us fail to the point where we can't do it. Because the reason we can do it is because Jesus says, I can do it. <laughs> I've got you. I'm right here. When that bar, you start to shake, I'm lifting it up. I've got you. 
And praise God, he does got us because I look at this bar sometimes, I'm like, I don't got that. I definitely don't got that, man. Each week, I feel like there's something new and I just, I can't. It's too much. I'm inadequate. I'm not strong enough. But Paul reminds us, that's lightweight. That's lightweight because Jesus has got you. Jesus says, I'm here, I'm with you. So even though life will have its challenges, even though life may look way too heavy for us, way too heavy, Jesus says, I wait. Let's do it. Let's do it. Remain faithful. Follow Jesus. The crown of life will be yours. So the question is, will you follow Jesus anywhere? Will you add some weight to that bar if it means following Jesus? Amen. 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 Invite the worship team up as I close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for being there right next to us when we're going through that, that season of life, Lord, where the weight just feels like it is crushing us, when that weight is just pushing us down and we feel like we just can't get up. But God, you're right there and we just praise you that you say, I see it, I see you, I'm always watching, I'm always here, and I've got you. So Lord, will you encourage everyone here, Lord, that's experiencing those persecutions? Will you encourage those that just life feels so heavy. Will you give them your peace? Will you give them your grace? Will you give them strength to push through that each day, God? And we just thank you for your daily reminder of what you did on the cross for us and the weight you took on on our behalf. We praise you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. It's a new song that speaks about following him anyway.